0: glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Nevin Neal. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth Let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So they have been in captivity and God, as I said, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah that Cyrus is named. Before he was ever king, or as far as I know, before he was ever born, he was named and prophesied by name to uh, to specifically build the temple. Of course, it references Jeremiah here, having prophesied of the 70-year captivity. And this is now uh, coming to a conclusion, and God is saying, I'm going to restore temple worship in Jerusalem. It would kind of be like this. If our nation was without any local New Testament churches for 70 years, and God says, I'm going to... Uh, see fit to start another church. Uh, I think that would be a big deal. If we weren't able to assemble with one another and go out and preach the gospel together without a hindrance, there are places today that long to have the freedom that we do to assemble as churches to go out and freely do the work that we do week in and week out, to broadcast God's word over the radio, to hand out gospel tracts, to go house to house and preach the gospel, to do the work that we do. God has enabled that in all places. People don't have that freedom. God perhaps has not opened that door and they would long for that. Even so, here the people of God had not only not had temple worship, they had not even been in the city that God had set apart for Him to be worshipped in. And now God raises up Cyrus, king of Persia, and he says, God has told me to send some of you back to build his house in Jerusalem. And so this is the project. I'll give you three things tonight. Number one, the project that God commissioned to be done is the rebuilding of the temple, a place where God would dwell, a place where you could come and the priestly uh, sacrifices would be offered, as you well know, all typological of the Lord Jesus Christ, where God would dwell with man and man could worship God. And... God could serve God in that place, and therein we find the analogy or the likeness to the local church. God dwells in the believer, and by dwelling the believer, He commissions us and enables us to serve, to serve His purposes in preaching about His Son, Jesus Christ, in strengthening one another to live lives that are conformed to Christ. That's what the church is about. The church is not a social club. It's not a place to go and have uh, entertainment. We, all, we know that. It's the pillar "...and the ground of the truth." And that takes teachers, that takes uh, servants in the church, it takes givers and all these things. So this building of the temple, it's analogous to the church. And I want us to see a couple of things about the project where Cyrus says, I want you to go back and build the temple. Number one, this project was appointed by God. It wasn't Cyrus' brainchild. God told him, put it in his heart and in his mind, I want you to go to Jerusalem or uh, appoint the work in Jerusalem for that temple to be rebuilt." I want to remind us tonight that church building and church planting is appointed by God. When God sent Paul and Silas out and Paul and Barnabas out, they went and preached the gospel and established what? Churches. They established places where the people who were indwelt by the the Holy Spirit of God, they established assemblies of believers. There was order and organization put to that so the work of God, so they could pray together, so they could uh, get the gospel out together, so they could have the fellowship and encourage one another to serve the Lord. And so then even so, as this work in the Old Testament was appointed by God, so the work today of assembling and the work of serving to God together is a work that's appointed by the Lord. Hebrews 10.25, "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching." that assembly then has a work to accomplish. And I just, again, generally want to point out that the project in Jerusalem was not something that simply man came up with, it was appointed by God. God told Cyrus to build the temple. Number two, it was not only appointed by God, but it was accomplished by the giving of God's people. Look in verse 2, it says, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is, to, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem, and whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. If you were to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3... Paul references to the church, he said, I have planted Apollos' water, but God giveth the increase. Then he goes on and talks about the other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which, which is Christ Jesus. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Now, I just want to repeat again. Building Christians, building churches, assemblies of Christians, is God's business. It's God's appointed work. Uh, let me ask you this. If Christians stop being involved... In the building up of local churches, are we in sin? Yes. Local churches and the building of them is God's work. You can study your New Testament through and through. That's what God has commissioned to be done. That the gospel would be preached. When souls are saved, they are to be baptized. When they are baptized, they are to be taught. Uh, to observe all commandments whatsoever he's commanded us. And you looked out the New Testament, the vehicle by which God accomplishes this is the local New Testament church. And this is, I want to just see these first couple points so that we might establish the analogy between the building of the temple in Jerusalem and the building of churches today. There is certainly an analogy there. And so then it is commissioned by God or appointed by God and accomplished by the giving of God's people. In verse 3... He says, who is there among you of all his people Is God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. One of the things that we find in our day is an underemphasis on the local church. Somebody will say something like this. Well, I'm a believer, but I don't believe in organized religion. That just irritates living daylights out of me. And they'll say something like this. Well, I was in a church and I was in organized religion and the leadership failed me All this nonsense that's an excuse for neglecting the house of God. How many of us think this? When you hear Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We understand the primary application of that and the interpretation of that is don't stop assembling with God's people. But you know what? How about not forsaking? Do you think it has more to it than just having your body there? Can your body be here and you having forsaken the assembling? You may not forsaking the coming together, but you can actually forsake that assembly in heart. May I say this? Before the body stops coming, the heart stops first. And there are people today that say, I'm disenfranchised with church. I'm tired of church. May I say this? I believe that's where Satan works to get God's people to where they get frustrated with church, they get frustrated with the work, they get frustrated with the effort that goes into strengthening the body. That's what the Bible calls the local assembly. It is a body of believers. And we are to strengthen one another. And here's what happens. Cyrus says, hey, God is ready to establish a place where he will dwell, where he will work, where he will use servants in his service. And I want you, those of you who can, to go and be part of it. Give of your time to build the temple. There were people that were going to have to lay aside. Look, Nehemiah, who built the wall, was a cupbearer for the king. He laid his life aside, best I can tell, for 13 years to go build a wall and govern that city. He gave up a good career in the palace of the king to go do that. To be called names, to be threatened, to be, to be constantly inundated with problems, but because he loved God, he loved God's people. Because he loved God's people, he was willing to invest himself in what God wanted done. And I just am seeking to say this tonight. I find the Apostle Paul spent his life on churches. Now, why would he do that? Can anybody think about why Paul would spend his life on local churches? Because he was like Christ. The Bible says Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. The Lord Jesus Christ died and raised from the dead that we might do what we're doing tonight. He offered Himself to establish the church as an institution, and that means local churches like this. I believe we sometimes underestimate and forget how important the church is to God. How many of us believe tonight the family institution is important to God? Even so is the church. May I say this? Churches without families are pretty useless. Families without churches are pretty useless. And so then tonight uh, we see that just like the temple in Jerusalem was appointed by God and accomplished by giving of both time and treasure, He says, "If you can't go, basically in verse four, and whosoever remaineth, meaning mean you don't go to, t- to the temple to give your time, whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts, beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. There's already a free will offering established." to rebuild the house, but I'm challenging you, if you're not going to take your body and get your hands in the work because you're in another place, that you give of your resources. I don't think there's anything different today. Remember in 2 Corinthians 8, they first gave themselves and then they gave what they had, so that the churches of uh, of Judea might be strengthened, churches helping churches. And my point is tonight, the project then... It was like the project today. It's appointed by God and accomplished by giving. Well, if something's appointed by God, then just case sera, sera. If God's for it, we shouldn't worry. It'll get done, right? What is appointed to God, by God and accomplished by giving is opposed by Satan. That brings us to our second point. You see the project, Ezra 1, 1 through 4. But Ezra chapter 4 is all about the protest. You see, there were people who had vested interest in the city of Jerusalem... Once the Jewish people were removed, there were people that wanted to control that part of the world, as it is today, so it was then. And when they see the restoration of worship for God coming back into Jerusalem, the wall being rebuilt, you can read about Sanballat and Tobiah, they did not want that wall built because that's going to put them on the outside. They had been using the things of God for personal gain. They had been using the people of God for personal gain. They had connections with one of the priests. Yeah, I believe it was uh, Tobiah had a, an intermarriage with one of the priest's uh, children, one of the daughters there. And so there was connections with the world, and that wall meant those connections would be broken, and their resources would be cut off. There are those today who simply see the church as a means by which to have personal gain, and therefore when a church has some walls of separation up to say what goes on inside the walls is for the glory of God alone, there are people that get upset about that i got warning signs in my heart and my mind about folk who have a problem with separation between the world and the church, meaning there's a distinction. We exist for a different purpose than the world does. And we are to be devoted to that purpose. And so that was with the wall, but the wall was built because of what was inside the wall, and that was the temple. The temple was a place for God to dwell, for God to be honored, for God to be worshipped, for God's service to be performed. And so then... The enemies of God didn't want to see the temple go up. They don't want to see him worship. Uh, and so then let's begin reading. We have to read all of chapter 4, so bear with me. But for context, we need to read the entirety uh, of it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, so they're the adversaries of the people of God, heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, let us build with you. Wait a minute. I thought they were adversaries. But they say, we want to help you. Let us build with you. For we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Ezra king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building, and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the days of Artaxerxes wrote Bishlam, Mithradath, Tabil, and the rest of their companions unto Artaxerxes king of Persia. And the writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. Rehum the chancellor and Shimshai the scribe wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes the king in this sort. Then wrote Rehum the chancellor and Shimshai the scribe and the rest of their companions, the Dinaites, the Epharsakites, the Tarpelites and the Afarsites, the the Archivites, the Babylonians, the Susankites, the Deavites and the Elamites, and the rest of the nations from the great and noble Asnapar brought over, whom the great and noble Asnapar brought over and set in the cities of Samaria, and the rest that are on this side of the river and at such a time. This is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him, even unto Artaxerxes the king, Thy servants, the men on this side of the river and at such a time. Be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundations. Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom? And so thou shalt and endam- endam- damage the revenue of the kings. Now because we have maintenance from the king's palace, and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore have we sent and certified the king, that search may be made in the book of the records of thy father. So shalt thou find in the book of the records, and know that this city is a rebellious city, and hurtful unto kings and provinces, and they have moved sedition within the same of old time, for which cause was the city destroyed? We certify the king that if this city be built again, and the walls thereof set up, by this means thou shalt have no portion on this side of the river. Then sent the king an answer unto Rehum the chancellor and to Shemshah the scribe and to the rest of their companions that dwelt in Samaria and unto the rest beyond the river. Peace and at such a time. The letter which he sent unto us hath been plainly read before me and I commanded and, her, and search hath been made. And it is found that this city of old time hath made insurrection against kings and that rebellion and sedition have been made therein. There have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and toll, tribute, and custom was paid unto them. Give our now commandment to cause these men to cease, and that this city be not builded, until another commandment shall be given from me. Take heed now that ye fail not to do this. Why should damage now grow to the herd of the kings? Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe, and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews, and made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased under the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Uh, If you talk to any preacher who travels much across this land, what they'll tell you about biblical churches, I'm talking about churches that believe the Bible is true, churches that are seeking to be what a New Testament church is supposed to be, is that churches generally across the land, unless they are an entertainment venue. Churches generally, there's exceptions to this, but generally churches are on the decline. The churches are dying. New Testament churches are hard and rare to find and the ones that do exist are struggling and dying. May I say the ultimate goal of our enemies is to make the work cease. The work of winning souls through evangelism, the work of building up Christians through teaching them the commandments of the Savior, teaching them to be strong and have victory in their lives. May I say this, the church is to the benefit of the Christian. The Christian is strengthened in his walk with the Lord through the local New Testament church, and Satan hates the local church. And he'll seek to destroy it and compromise it any way he can. You'll find our Lord's warnings to the seven churches of Asia Minor are indicative of how Satan was attacking those seven churches, some through persecution, some because there was infiltration. We find all the methods, really, I believe, you find here in Ezra for the stopping of the work of the temple for Satan seeking to stop the work of local churches in Revelation 2 and 3. There were those who had forgotten their first love, their heart, the Ephesians, their heart was cool toward their Savior, and that was going to diminish the work. There were those, again, as I said, were persecuted. There were those who had false teachers in the church, those who had the doctrines and the deeds of the Nicolaitans as part of their church body. Nothing new under the sun. Even so today, I believe this, Satan knows you and I are strengthened by assembling together that we might be charged through preaching and teaching, help through prayer, help through singing God's the songs that strengthen our heart. Church helps Christians be faithful. And therefore, Satan opposes anything in your life, prayer, Bible reading, uh, time in fellowship with God's people, whatever will strengthen you to worship God and bring Him glory, Satan's against it. Whatever it may be. And so then we find a pattern that was used by the enemies of God here to make the work cease. Church is work, is it not? We labor in prayer. We labor in evangelism. We labor, uh, whether it be bus ministry or whether it be uh, trying to win your neighbor to the Lord or whether it be praying for one another. Church requires labor and the building of churches requires labor. It doesn't happen by accident as the Satan works to ultimately stop the work. Now, I'm going to give you a few things that the enemies of God did here over a period of time to ultimately make the building of the temple which would result in the blessing of God's people. When temple worship was restored, fellowship is back where it should be with God and God's people would be strengthened and the enemies knew it. That's why they didn't want a wall. It would protect God's people. It would allow them to thrive spiritually. God does not just want us surviving spiritually. He wants us fruitful. And the local church is necessary for that. If we're going to be fruitful Christians, we've got to be plugged into a church. (laughs) You find that in the Scripture throughout. And so let's notice this methodology in Ezra chapter 4 of the enemy. First of all, they sought to infiltrate through disguise. They said, hey, we want to join you in the work. We want to be part. I can tell you about the history of this church. I've seen this happen more than once people who do not believe what is taught and preached here, saying, but we want to help you. Have you been born again? Well, we don't really think of it that way. I've had people say, that's not really the way we think of it. We kind of think of it as a progression. But we want to help you build this work. By and by, when it was said, no, you can't be part because you don't believe what the Word of God says, true colors were revealed, and then right turned around was opposition to the work. And so there is a level, there's an effort by... Those who are not of us to infiltrate. We see that in Acts chapter 15. The Judaizers infiltrating the churches. Paul referenced it in Galatians. That there were those who came in to spy out the liberty of God's people. It is needful. People say, I don't believe in a church membership. I do. There are those within and there are those without. You cannot be part of a local church if you haven't been born again. You can't be part of a local church if you haven't been born again and biblically baptized. That's Bible principle. There are reasons for that. That protects us from the infiltration of the enemy by just saying, you know what, everybody's welcome, come on in and join in the work. You know what they said here? No, 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 you can't join us. Your God is not our God. And so then there was an effort to infiltrate by joining in the work. We saw that in chapter 4, verse 2, when it says, Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. And, of course, they said, No, you can't do that. So when that effort failed, when it was where they could not infiltrate and pawn themselves off as true servants of God, by the way, what do you think they would have done if they were allowed to come help build? You think they would have actually helped build? Or every time they laid a brick, you think somebody would have pulled it down? They would have been constantly a contradiction to the ongoing work. May I say this, the work of God's house should go on. And if we're within and we can't get involved and plugged in and be part, something's wrong. Either it's not the work of God or we're not workers for God. If God's doing a work in and through the local church, we ought to get our hands in it if we can. And if we cannot physically get our hands in it, then we ought to invest in it in some way because it's the work of God. May I say this? Preaching the gospel to a lost world is still the work of the church. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, uh, Be not deceived, evil communications, corrupt good manners. In verse 34 he says, For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You Corinthians have not done what you should in making sure the people around you have the knowledge of God. God's people being taught the principles of Scripture is the work of God. Paul told Timothy, speaking of believers, preach the Word. And so then we ought to to be involved in that. There are those who want to join not to help build but to keep the building from taking place. That's infiltration. Number two, when they could not infiltrate and corrupt from within... Then they sought to weaken the hands of those who were doing the work. The Bible says in verse 4, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah. weakened their hands, meaning they made the work more difficult for them to accomplish. They wore them down with opposition. They weakened their hands. The hands have to do with labor. They're literally building that work. I don't know if they weakened them simply by mocking them. If you read about this kind of weakening in Nehemiah, They, they, they told them, you'll never get this done. They mocked them. They said, if a fox went by, it would knock over what you're doing. The idea would be trying to cause us slow down and, and limit our labor. There are people today who hate the work of God. They're constantly criticizing the work of God. D.O. Moody was asked, was criticized one time for how he won souls to Christ. So he asked the so-called believer, well, how do you win souls to Christ? And that believer did not. The so-called believer. And he said, I prefer the way that I do it wrong to the way you don't do it at all. Fair enough. There are many who sit back and criticize the work of God but are not lifting a hand to do something about the work of God. Some can sit back and give a class on how you should not win a soul to Christ but they're not passing out a gospel track. They're not speaking to the person at the grocery store. They're not knocking on a door. Some will tell you about how discipleship shouldn't be done, but they don't have anybody they're discipling. You know what? I believe that is weakening the hands of God's people. There are those who can give you classes on how we should not pray, but are not given to prayer. There are those that can give instruction on all that's wrong about the music, but there's not a a heart for worship of God that's genuine and sincere through song. I'm just trying to say this, the enemies of God seek to make the hands of laborers tired, to wear down the laborers so the work cannot get accomplished. So we find first a level of infiltration or a desire and an effort to infiltrate. When that didn't happen, they weakened the hands of the people of Judah. Thirdly, the Bible says they troubled them in building. And troubled them in building. What means it to trouble somebody? means to trouble them, cause them trouble. Constantly as they're trying to build, they're hindering, they're preventing, they are heckling, whatever it is, they're troubling them, causing them fear and distress. I can promise you in the ministry and the service of God, there are people that are going to try to cause you to be worried, frustrated, careful, and upset, constantly worried about how are we doing this, are we doing it wrong? There are those who trouble in the building of God's Word. So they infiltrated, they weakened their hands, they troubled them. So, cause of cause of fear and distress in doing the work of God. Ask yourself tonight, am I a source of encouragement in what God says to be done or a source of trouble? Am I a source of frustration? Am I a source of someone who's helping another person in their prayer life, someone who's helping another person in obedience to Jesus Christ? There are those that can simply only hinder other people from serving God. Those are enemies of the Lord. Is the net product of my life helping people obey God? Or troubling them in obeying God. Am I a troubler or am I a helper? And so then the enemies of God infiltrated, weakened, troubled. Uh, letter D, they frustrated the purpose of God. Look at verse five. It says, and hired counselors. So it's just a list of things they did. So the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them. Let me give you an illustration uh, that I've used before in a different context. we first uh, decided uh, that God was leading us to go plant a church, God led us here uh, to this place and a lot of circumstances and Bible and direction that God gave us to lead us to this place. But I remember on our survey trip trying to determine which place it is God wanted us to go, we stumbled across some folks that were of a different denomination and uh, they decided, uh, the lady decided to ask some questions about how we would be going about the ministry. And she said, now, now you're, you're an independent Baptist. I said, yes. She said, you're not just going to use the King James Bible, are you? I said, yes, ma'am, we are. And she was from my home state, by the way. She was out here in the Northwest, her and her husband. She said, that'll never work out here. It'll never work out here. People out here won't accept that. And you'll never get anything done. And I got a question. Was she trying to help me serve God or hinder an enemy of the Lord? I remember you know, meeting a woman here in the community. She said, what kind of music do you do at your church? And I said, just the old hymns. She said, oh, it never work, never work. Young people don't want that. Young people don't want that. And I said, you know what? That's what I was listening to as a young person when God got a hold of my heart. It's not about what young people want. We believe it pleases the Lord. You know what was happening? She was trying to discourage my hands in the work. And now, today, when we first came, it was me and Jenny Beth and three of our kids. But today, there's all of us. Now we're working together at this to do the work of God in this place to the local church. Therefore, you're facing the same things every other worker faced. Someone telling you the way you're going about it won't work. You don't need to do it like that. Your methodology is rotten. You know what? Get your eyes on what God's told you to do and do the work. People like that are troublers. They are hinders of God's work, not to help the work go forward, not to further the gospel, not to strengthen the faith of Christians, but to hinder it, to simply hinder it. And so there was infiltration. There was weakening and troubling. And then the Bible says in verse 5, "...and hired." They spent money to stop this work from going on and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose." meaning the enemies of God paid money to get people to say, how can you go in and just mess them up and keep them from making progress? The word frustrate means this, to break up, to cause to cease, to clean, defeat, to disannul, to disappoint, to dissolve, to divide, to make of none effect, or to bring to naught, to utterly make void. They hired people to make the work stop. Now, there are people that would say that there is conspiracy theory to think that the wicked would actively develop means to stop churches from functioning. The Bible bears out that's the way of the wicked. They develop and invest in means to stop the work of God from going forward. Their ultimate goal, and they hired people to accomplish it, was You do what you can. We're going to hire you and your sole job is to make their work for God impossible to do until it stops. Translate that to today. We want the preaching to stop. We want the evangelism to stop. We want the godly living out in the open to stop. And whatever we can do to frustrate that and stop that. May I say this? I believe the world for a long time has been saying, let us help you. Let us help you in your music program. Let us help you in your your PR, in your image, in the community. Let us help you in your advertising department. Let us help make you attractive to the world you live in. That's the world's answer for the churches. And I believe churches need to say, No, thank you. You're not part of God's crowd. We're going to build God's work God's way. Amen? But when we say no, then just expect troubling and frustration And weakening, there is active opposition to the work of God in the local church. If you don't believe it, call up Paul up in heaven and ask him. (laughs) Yes? So there was infiltration, weakening, troubling, frustration. Then there was accusation. Look at verse 6. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, I don't want you to miss something here. All of this happens over what period of time? Now, I don't have the years in front of me, but it happened through the reign of four different kings. It took, I, for, I forget the number, forgive me, the number of years it took to rebuild the temple. But I know that it began in, uh, in the reign of Cyrus when he commanded the temple to be built. Cyrus goes off the scene. And Ahasuerus comes on the scene. And Ahasuerus goes off the scene. And Artaxerxes comes on the scene. And Artaxerxes goes off the scene. And Darius comes on the scene. And you know what the enemies of God are doing that whole time? Continuously, persistently working to stop the work of God. They were persistent. Persistent, meaning when that first effort didn't work, they said, well, it didn't work to join them and infiltrate them. Let's trouble them. Let's weaken them. Let's frustrate their purpose. We'll we'll spend money to stop this thing. And now that they are weak and let's accuse them of being bad people. And they did. And they said, what happens is these people, uh, this city is known for insurrection and rebellion. By the way, there was some truth in that. Under the sons of Josiah, they had rebelled against the king of Babylon. When God had told them to submit, uh, that the, the city had been troublesome, and that was recorded. And so they said, these people are troubled. If you don't rein them in and stop what they're doing, we know that the building of the temple and the building of the wall is going to embolden these people. And if you don't stop them, it's going to be bad for the economy. Read it. It's right there in the Bible. Over there in verse 13, they say, if you don't stop this, it's going to endanger the custom and the revenue if you can appeal to a worldling about money, you'll win your argument. <laughs> because that's, that's what is God. You know what? In our day, there are accusations leveled against God's people to say this is a troublesome folk. Uh, they are you know, siphoning off money than revenues that could be put over here. We need to deal with these people. I mean, they are tax exempt, you know. <laughs> and may I say this? That's not because people are concerned about righteousness, because people are concerned about stopping the work of God. And so here's what we have. We have infiltration, weakening, troubling, frustration, accusation. Verse 6, they write an accusation. These people are rebellious people. They call them a bad people in their accusation. What kind of people were these writing the accusation? They weren't saints. And all I want you to see is the level of effort put forward. What's their purpose? Just make the work stop. We don't want this to go on because if the work continues, it will strengthen God's people and God will get glory. And so we want the temple not to be built. And so then they used all these methods. methods and then finally in chapter 4, verse 23, they used force. After writing the accusation, the present king, not Cyrus, who had originally given the commandment, but now we're on down the line. The king has been written to, uh, uh, The letter has been written, I believe, to Ahasuerus, excuse me, to Artaxerxes, Uh, They write this letter to him in verse 11. This is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him, even unto Artaxerxes the king. They make the accusation. He checks the history books and says, Yep, what you've said backs up. There are troublesome people. Make the work stop. And boy, they come with a letter from the king saying, The law has been changed. Cyrus said you could build. They never referenced that, by the way. They just said, Artaxerxes says stop. And here's what happens. Chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says, Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Now they didn't try that at first, did they? Force and power didn't come first. It came at the end. They started this way. Let us help you. We want to build, we want to build the temple too. And they ended this way. Same people. Same people that said we want to build with you now say you close down. Cease and desist. That's what it means by force and power, cease and desist. We have had churches this year in 2020 told to cease and desist. Don't give me the explanations why. I don't care. We have seen a concerted effort in some places to stop the work of God. I said something on Thursday night, and this is the heart I'm preaching this in. I want to see us as a church in troublesome times continue. To do the work God's given us to do. Steady as we go. Not defiant. And this is not about, by the way, this is not about COVID. That's what we're dealing with this year. This is what we're going to deal with as long as we're a church. This is what we're going to have to deal with. Someone trying to discourage us until we say, close the doors trying to dismay us, trying to discourage us, trying to tell us our labor is in vain as we seek to see souls saved out of the churches, laborers called and sent forth into the harvest field. Can I just say to you tonight, no, 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 we must keep building, building, building. You know what? I believe this with all my heart. You and I believe the laborers should have done when they brought the letter from the king and said cease and desist based on the word of God that we're going to read in just a minute. I believe they should have said no. We have a previous order that said to build and that one came from God. This one does not. We're going to continue to do the work God told us to do. This would be another time. It's interesting. We did the series on civil disobedience. This is the civil disobedience that should have happened, that didn't, and the work ceased. And so then uh, we see the project, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The protest, chapter 4, verses 1 through 24. Now let's see the preaching, chapter 5, verse 1. Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Josedek and began to build the house of God which is at Jerusalem and with them were the prophets of God helping them. Quick question. When did they get another letter from the king authorizing them to start building again? They didn't. Remember the first project? Who authorized the first one? God. Through Cyrus but it's God who told Cyrus to tell him to build the temple. Was it done yet? So until it was done they should continue to do the work. Now go to Haggai chapter 1. I hope you found your place there earlier because it's not an easy one to find. Haggai chapter 1 the Bible says in verse 1, In the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month, and the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah And to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Don't miss that. What are the people saying? Right now is not the right time to build the house. Now, what led them to say such a thing? Now is not the time to be preaching the gospel. Let me tell you something. This message is birthed out of some questions in my own mind. During a time when the world is scared half to death, half out of its mind about everything, when people are afraid of uh, of the of the virus and afraid of other things, is now the time to really continue to evangelize? I mean, should we hold community hall meetings and go house to house and you know, pass out tracts and people are worried about germs? And my answer is, God didn't change the commission. He didn't say, now's not the time. The world may be saying it, but God didn't say that. Is now the time to continue in prayer? Is now the time to continue to assemble with one another as God has commanded us? And all I'm saying is I have not received instruction from heaven that it's time to stop. I believe the world wants it to stop. And I believe we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But we must obey God and do His work. And so then they said now is not the time to be building the house of God. Haggai chapter 1 It says in verse 3, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. (laughs) Pretty clear, isn't it? God says, get back to what I told you to do. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and Lord came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. When does he say that, by the way? Before obedience or after. He assures them of his presence after they obey his commandment. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. I find through infiltration and intimidation and finally through accusation and force, what God commanded to be done stopped. If we would be honest, there is a temptation to say, what does the future look like for churches? Well, I don't know what all is going to happen around us, but God's will for us as a church perpetually or ultimately has not changed. And I have no doubt that our enemy wishes to infiltrate and to intimidate and if he can by force to stop God's work from going on. But God has not changed His will for us in regard to these things. And so then the requirement of the preaching was this. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Look at, at what's happening. He says, you, you are dwelling in your sealed houses, but my house lies waste. Meaning you're taking care of yourself, but you've neglected the things that, that regard me. And I just say this with clarity. I don't believe this is where this church is at in the chronology. I don't believe the work has ceased. But I do believe Satan would love for it to cease. I believe He would love for uh, things to come to a halt, for God's people to be discouraged, for us to say, you know what, we just can't continue to do the work. Hands are weakened. Hey, that's not the right mindset. God says, when my house is lying waste and your house is being tended to, things are out of order. We have a general mentality that's crept into the lives of many people. I've heard families say something like this. We see churches going to this model of assembly. Well, we're going to assemble once on Sunday in the morning very quickly afterward because we want families to have time together on Sunday afternoon in the evening to recreate. That's a bad direction. It's a bad direction to say, you know what? We want more time for ourselves and less time for the house of the Lord. Listen, I believe the church is still the house of God and it ought to have a place of priority in our lives. And it ought to stay there because that's God's way. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so then the requirement put on them was consider your ways. Look what's happening. You so much, you bring in little. Yes, you're clothed, but you're not warm. Yes, you're drinking, but you're not full. Your thirst is not quenched. Can you not see that God has is not blessing the labor of your hands because you're neglecting His house. I believe this. There's a lot of God's people today who've decided to put the local church on the back burner of their lives. And they sow much and bring in little. They drink much and are never satisfied. They drink at the world's entertainment fountain day in and day night and night. And they go out more and more and more and never come back satisfied. And part of the reason is God cannot bless when He's not in His proper place. Amen? It's just the truth. And I would hate to see God's people in this place follow down that line of thinking, but Satan works to that end. So he says, consider your ways, verse 5 and verse 7. He says, you watch what's happening. Pay attention to how God's dealing with your life and consider what you're doing. You're living in your sealed houses, but mine lies waste. And so then he calls them to build. Verse 8, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, meaning get your hands and your hearts back in the work, of building that which is for the glory and honor of God and facilitates His presence and worship. And when they did, then God said, I'm with you. The Bible says, verse uh, verse uh, uh, 12, Then Zerubbabel, uh, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, uh, the high priest, uh, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, in the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord, then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Then in verse 14, the Bible says God stirred them up. God stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and God stirred up the spirit of Joshua, and God stirred up the spirit of the remnant of the people. What word do we use for that stirring up? Revival. Many a person has said, God, my life first, you're second. Now's not the time Maybe someone in their life say, you know what? When I'm older will be the time to invest my life in the things of the Lord. Maybe at a different time. Now's not the time to build the house. And God said, now is the time. See, God had been put on the back burner, been given second place. I don't find that they had said, we're never going to invest in the building of the house again. But now's not the time. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What led them to that mentality? The fear of God or the fear of man? The fear of man. The intimidators had finally had their way. That it's not time. And I say this. I've been told that in the world in which we're living, that now is not the time to go about things the biblical way. Now is not the time for the, the, the people of God to live a separated life. Now is not the time for personal soul winning evangelism. I'm talking about in the biblical manner. Now is not. We've left that time. That time's behind us. But that's the Bible pattern. That's the Bible way. And we've been told there's new ways for new times. And you know what? I believe Satan's just saying that to get God's work to cease, but we need to keep the Lord and His work in its proper place. When we are tending to ourselves and neglecting the things of the Lord, then things are out of order and God can't bless it. But when we obey, God sent a revival. He stirred up the spirit of the leadership. He stirred up the spirit of the people so that the work began to be done again. The Bible says in verse 14, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. They came and did what? They came and did work. May I say this, by way of encouragement, by way of, this is why I say I don't believe this is where the church is at. I was much encouraged by the work that was done in Libya a week ago. That's the work of the church. That's the work of God, to take the gospel and sow the seed. But how many of you would say that it's not as exciting now as maybe it was three or four years ago? I don't know, it's still exciting. May I say this, doing the work of Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church is not as exciting to me today as it was 14 years ago. Fourteen years ago, it was new. It was something I'd never done. It was new ground. We were just starting, seeing things take shape and take place. Fourteen years of opposition can wear you down. Get you going, I don't know. do what I love, though, and we'll just obey God. He'll stir us up. We'll say, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do the work of prayer. I'm going to do the work of witnessing to the lost. I'm going to do the work of edifying God's people. I'm going to do the work of exhorting others to do what's right and serve the Lord by being in my place and assembling together. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to obey God. And when we say, I'll obey God and make sure He has His proper place and invest in His house like I'm supposed to. That's when God stirs up. And I find the response to His commandment brought a response from God. When God preached through Jonah to the Ninevites, that in 40 days they would be destroyed. They responded, did they not? Their response to God determined His response to them. Even so here. These are not heathens. These are God's people that has stopped working. May I say it may be the work of studying your Bible. But do the work. Does God want us to? Do the work. And God will bless. The way they responded to God determined how He responded to them. There is only one thing that limits us from having a spiritual awakening, friends, and that is us, period. The only thing that limits revival from us, you say, well, it's in God's sovereign will. I understand that God in His sovereign will made some promises in the Bible about awakening and stirring and drawing nigh. He said, draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. So if He's not near, it's not His fault. <laughs> and Tonight, we can have that stirring, but it comes when we say, I'll obey. Now is the time. God never told me to stop serving Him, obeying Him, whether it's individually or at the church level. And I give this charge to us tonight to say, you know what? I believe God just wants us to continue to do His work. He hasn't changed His will for our lives, has He? The work of raising children for the Lord, the work of assembling, the work of praying, the work of evangelizing, the work of teaching and preaching and giving, our daily work that allows us to invest in the things of God. We just need to be steadfast, Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Mm-hmm.